Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Kei te whakaronga mai koe ki tō tātou au horihori, hei hōtaka i pāna ki tō tātou au whānui. You're with Our Changing World on Radio New Zealand National. And if you'd like to get our weekly Wednesday email with story info and web links, you can sign up on our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. Now, a consent hearing is underway in Tauranga at the moment, as the owners of the Rena seek permission to leave its wreck on Astrolabe Reef. The ship ran aground on the reef nearly four years ago, and the resulting oil spill affected more than 400 birds, especially little penguins. The National Oiled Wildlife Response Team at Massey University leapt into action, and most of the birds were successfully cleaned and returned to the sea. Alison catches up with Louise Chilvis and Hayley Pearson to find out what it takes to clean an oiled bird and how ducks have been helping out with some recent research into the issue. First of all, Louise explains why oil is such bad news for marine animals. It's quite debilitating for animals. It smothers them, uh, it can cause them to drown, it can cause them to freeze to death. It means that they can't thermoregulate, can't control their temperature well. And obviously it can get into their food chain and they can eat it as well. The occurrence in New Zealand is probably actually a lot higher than what most people think. Really big events luckily are very uncommon and we would quite happily like them to stay that way. But little events, you know, like boats just spilling diesel at a harbour is actually probably a weekly occurrence. It's just that they're small events and they just don't cause a problem for wildlife and they're cleaned up really fast, which is a good thing. So big oiled wildlife response events, I'm thinking Rena is probably the one that everyone would think of? Yeah, yeah, Rena's the one everybody would think of and, b- and before that it would be the Jody, I believe, up near Gisborne. So tell me a bit more about Rena, what was the scope of that? In terms of wildlife, there was around about 500 um, animals that were oiled and were rehabilitated um, in response to that oil. And in terms of those that unfortunately died as a result of the oiling, there was around about 2,000 individuals. Uh, And mainly they're birds. So in an oil spill, uh, 90% of the animals that are affected are birds. And what kind of birds are we talking about? At the arena, we were quite lucky that they were little blue penguins. And I say we were lucky they were little blue penguins because they're quite a hardy bird. Some of the littler birds, like shearwaters, they're quite fragile, um, they get quite stressed, and the chances of them surviving and making it through the rehabilitation are a lot diminished. But the little blue penguins, we had a 95% success rate in the rehabilitation. So getting them from the beach oiled through the rehabilitation, which is a wash and a dry, and then a couple of weeks of fitness before they could be released again. So 95% of those um, made it through. So tell me a bit more about that rehabilitation process, washing and drying, what does that involve? So the journey of an oiled animal actually begins on the beach. So oiled animals are observed by specialists, wildlife experts, are out observing, um, searching in the environment for generally birds on beaches. Um, And they're picked up 
and transported in cars or boats, wherever they're picked up, to an oil wildlife facility. So in the case of Rena, the facility was located at a wastewater treatment plant and it was sort of a, a giant tent city. And so the bird, for example, Little Blue Penguin, is brought into the facility, goes through an intake process. So that process initially begins with a triage process. So if, if the animal has um, any injuries, if it looks obviously diseased, if it's um, severely malnourished or dehydrated, often some difficult decisions have to be made about whether it's likely that it will survive the rehabilitation process, and in some cases they may actually have to be euthanised. However, at Rena, that didn't have to happen. There were enough staff, and luckily the magnitude of the spill wasn't such that um, those difficult decisions had to be made very often. So once they've been taken into intake, they get a veterinary check, they go um, and get stabilised, so they get fluids and a bit of food so that they get their energy up. And then once their veterinary check has identified that they're looking he healthy um, and strong, they're able to go through the what we call the wash, rinse and dry process. So the wash process um, involves warm water and detergent, and we like to use Dawn. We've done quite a few studies that show that Dawn is the best detergent for what needs to be done. Which is not available in New Zealand, unfortunately. <laughs> the birdies move through a, uh, a number of different buckets. That's probably the easiest way to explain it. And each bucket has water that's at its body temperature, so we're talking around about 40 degrees Celsius. And this is fresh water? It is, and we also soften the water, so we remove particles and minerals from the water so that it doesn't get into their feather structure, which can disturb the, the structure in the future when it's trying to regain its waterproofing. This process for something like a little blue takes about 200 litres of fresh water to wash one little blue penguin, so it's a lot of water. And then, as Haley's going to describe, you go into the rinse process, and that also will take about another 200 litres of water. So just for one penguin, you are using 400 litres of fresh water to wash him, and, and that's a lot of water. So the wash process takes approximately between 20 to 40 minutes to do and it's just moving the penguin through different gradients and different percentages of dawn in this water solution and then once they've been through and we're comfortable that the water is coming out clean or the oil is out of their feathers we then move them to the rinse process and now we have to do a very thorough rinse process because the detergent can be just as harmful to the feathers as the oil it can bind to the feathers and disrupt their structure in the same manner that oil can. And just check for any oil spots. You know, there's, there's some places like the corner of the mouth or just where the feathers join the leg where it's quite tricky to get to and clean, so you just have to spot check all those sorts of positions. And, and then the animal gets taken through and has to be kept in a really warm environment and a really warm and quiet environment so that it can settle down and it really needs to preen itself and get the feathers back in alignment and just calm down. I mean, the wash-rinse process is an incredibly stressful thing for a bird to go through. Yeah, we even provide um, pet dryers in these instances to help maintain their temperature so it blows warm air on them and so the stimulation of the air also encourages them to preen and readjust their feathers. Now that they've been through the wash, rinse, dry process there's still another generally five to ten days of recovery and that recovery has everything to do with them realigning their feather structure so that they're waterproof <laughs> and this is essential because waterproofing of birds their feathers act like a wetsuit. So in penguins, if they're in the water, the water isn't actually getting to their skin if their uh, feather structure is healthy. But in an oil spill, the oil clumps the feathers up and it sort of acts like a rip in a wetsuit. It allows the water <laughs> entry to their skin, which can alter their body temperature. 
Um, so they need this five to ten day period. Um, we give them access to pools so they can swim and so they're regaining their fitness and they're also having the water stimulation which encourages them to preen and restructure their feathers. And we do a final test for each individual when they're looking healthy. We give them a final test on the pool to make sure that they can last in the water for six hours because they have um, enormous requirements on their time in the wild to feed and survive. Do they also need to re-coat their feathers with their own natural body oils? The feather structure more works like canvas, so it's not like Gore-Tex or you know an oil jacket. It's more that it conditions the feathers so that it can hold that structure. So it's more like conditioning your hair rather than it being the waterproofness. Clearly one of the things here from your point of view is you've already said quite how much warm fresh water you need, like hundreds of litres per bird. So that's a real crunch point for you, finding that amount of water? Absolutely, and if you think of all the places around New Zealand, there is potential to have an oil spill, mainly due to shipping, but also due to oil drilling. You know, we're increasingly opening our southern basins, all those sorts of things. So you take any of our subantarctic islands, the Kermadex, remote places on the west coast of the South Island, you know, up north in Northland, there's a lot of places that just would not have that sort of water supply. And that's why we um, are the first place in the world, actually, to trial using salt water to wash birds and see what the outcome is, whether it does as good a job, what are the husbandry requirements for the birds, and how if it takes longer for them to rehabilitate and gain that waterproofness, which is all the essential thing of what the whole process is all about. How did you go about testing that? We were able to get access to 40 uh, captured mallard ducks, um, so they're non-native, non-protected, and we brought them up here to Massey and at our all wildlife facility, which is just in behind Massey. So we actually very carefully not putting their head under oil. We dipped the birds in oil um, and then straight away started to wash them. So they were washed in either a combination of freshwater wash and freshwater rinse, or saltwater wash and saltwater rinse, or the combination. So they could have been washed in freshwater and rinsed in saltwater, or vice versa, washed in saltwater and rinsed in freshwater. And in general, it was very successful. All wash processes worked which is the first thing that is really important. But there were a lot of things about it, so I think one of the main things was it took longer and more detergent to wash the animals using seawater. And then it took them slightly longer to um, waterproof themselves. And the birds were more fluffy and their feathers were a little more in disarray from the saltwater wash. Because, I mean, saltwater obviously has salt in it. It has granules, um, and that has the potential of, you know, sticking in the feather structure. And so they had to do a lot more preening to get that out. And the first day on the water for looking at waterproofing, so how well they sat in the water, they looked a bit more bedraggled and a bit wetter. So it just took them a bit longer, but actually, in general, as long as you had the ability for them to get out of the water and they could preen and then get back in when they felt like it, in the end, that process took exactly the same amount of time. So the overall outcome was, yes, you can wash and rinse in seawater, and that's, that's an enormous thing because, as we said, 400 litres of fresh water is a lot of water to use to wash and rinse a bird. And knowing that, you know, even potentially you just use the salt water to wash them and rinse them with fresh water could be a combination of things that you use. 
So as well as looking at the behaviour of the whole animal and, and observing as it rehabilitated itself really, were you also having a closer look at the feathers? Yes, yeah. Um, every day when the, the birds were put onto the pool, before they're um, removed from the pool and put into their enclosure, they go through a, a fairly thorough um, inspection of their feathers. So we had uh, a couple of experts, so Bridie White, who's on our team, she has a great deal of experience with waterproofing, and we're also lucky enough to have Kurt Klumpner from the US, from the International Bird Rescue. Um, he came and joined us for the project. So they were able to assess each bird as they were taken out of the pool for their waterproofing. And that's a fairly thorough quadrant-based uh, investigation of you know their belly and their back and looking at their legs and their wings to identify any wet spots. And they also were able to get the opportunity to feel the temperature of the bird just from handling them to get an idea of whether they're you know, cold or, or hot. And that would also be an indication of whether their um, waterproofing and thermoregulation was intact. Each day at the end of the wash process and then each morning and each evening we also took samples of the feathers and then we took those feathers and looked at them under the microscope to see how the feathers structure were reforming and see how the animals with their grooming and you know after the wash those, that feather structure was all aligning. You could see them doing it and you could see the smoothness coming back into their feather structure but you could also see it at an individual feather level as well. So you're dealing with a number of different kinds of feathers too so you've got the big say the flight feathers on the wings, you've got the waterproofing feathers on the back and then right down near the animal's body you've got that downy stuff like that's in your puffer jacket that's you know fluffy and warmth giving. I guess the thing to remember there is that each of those have different structures naturally so the flight feathers and the body feathers actually have a similar sort of structure so they're called barbs and barbules and they literally just hook up with each other to form like a canvas format. The down is not supposed to hook up like that, it's there to be puffy and to hold the air. When we were looking at the feathers under the microscope, we were only looking at the guard feathers and the flight feathers because they're the ones that are the waterproofing. But I mean it's just as important to clean the whole, the whole feather, including all the down feathers, um, to keep the animals warm and waterproof and float. So having proved that salt water is an option, would it be one that you'd use or only if you absolutely needed to, if you didn't have a supply of fresh water? I think at the moment it would be only if we didn't have a supply of fresh water. The international best practice at the moment is fresh water, 40 degrees and softened. But as I said, there's many places around New Zealand where we're just not going to get that if an oil spill occurs. And just having that understanding that this process can be done with salt water is a huge, it's a world first, so that's fantastic. And just to let you know, all of those ducks went back to their home and uh, were kept an eye on and they were... They were all fine. <laughs> in most instances, we would choose to use the fresh water because the process doesn't take as long as well. So there is additional stress associated with the, the length of the wash process. So we want to do everything we can to make sure the, the welfare, the health and the safety of the animal is paramount. So have you got any other questions you're looking at at the moment? There is best practice, but are you constantly looking at it and going, could we tweak it here, could we improve it over here? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that came from that study was um, looking at how often the birds preen and at what temperature they preen and how that can help us to get them to preen. So one of the things we hope to do in the future is to literally look at what temperatures bird preen the most or the least so just a very simple study but I mean just to something as simple as that it can really lead to big results 
in the future. We're hoping to do that just so that we can identify how we can minimise the chances of them preening and consuming the oil because the toxic effects of the oil on the internal organs are some aspects that we can't really combat. There aren't any treatments in place that can really minimise the harm once it's within the body. So our aim would be to, when they're brought into a rehabilitation facility, would be to put them in a room that's at the right temperature to minimise the chances of them consuming any more oil than they already have. That was Hayley Pearson and you also heard Louise Chilvers, both from the Oiled Wildlife Response Unit at Massey University. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash our changing world. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.